Welcome to Study Isaiah, the podcast in which we examine the language, context, and meaning of the book of Isaiah with Dr. Paul Wegner. I'm Tyler Sanders, and with me is Paul Wegner, who's going to tell us the Hebrew word of the day. And I've got a really good one because this one actually really helps you understand the passage better. Oh, good. Because uh, we were talking earlier that you didn't understand how come it Isaiah yeah. ends in the, or, you know this chapter ends it's the way a it does. Very interesting ending. Yeah. You, well, we, well, here's what happens. You, you read to the end, and it says, and Isaiah, you know, gets him all this trouble, and then he, he says, "Oh, that's good because at least won't happen in my day." And you're thinking, yeah. "What a jerk!" Yeah. You know, Hezekiah's really. A jerk. Yeah. He just got him into all this trouble. Yeah. But that's because that Hebrew word tov, which is our word today, yeah. it can mean morally good and or stuff like that, but it can also mean fitting and suitable. Let's look at the passage. Okay. So, yeah. so it's in verse eight of chapter 39. Okay, here's what it says. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord, which you have spoken is good. For he thought there will be peace and truth in my days. So what it sounds like, is that he's saying, oh, good, I got you into trouble, but I'm glad it's not going to be bad for me. It's going to be bad for my my future yeah. or the, my future relatives. But that's not what he's meaning. I don't think, I think he means, it means it's not, it's it's suitable or fitting. Now, remember, mm. Hezekiah was one of the best kings up yeah. to that point. Yeah. And if God sent him into captivity during his time period, you know, let's say the Babylonians came early and wiped him out and sent him into captivity during Hezekiah, reign, the best king of all, all Israel, at yeah. least to that point, yeah. that would be sending the message, oh, you'd be as good as you can, but don't worry, God doesn't care. He's going to wipe you out anyway. Well, that's not the message God wants. And I think even Hezekiah understood that. So mm-hmm. he said, well, that's suitable, meaning that at the end of the day, I understand I'm going to be punished for what I did, and that's fair, but at least it won't happen now why I'm a good king so that people will get the wrong message. Mm. Now, Another place where this actually really makes a difference, remember in Genesis when it says at the end of each of the days, and that and God said that yeah. it was good. Yeah. And then at the very end he says, Oh, and that's very good. Yeah. Well, I don't think it means it's morally good because that wouldn't make sense. Of course it was morally good. Yeah. What it means is that's fitting. It's suitable for what I have to do, uh, you know, what I'm doing. I brought creation here so that I could work with mankind. And so that's what I think the Hebrew word is saying. God's saying, Oh, that one is perfect for what I want it to do. Yeah. And so that that then helps that Hebrew word make a lot more sense yeah. in those contexts. Now, remember, we've already talked that words have a range of meanings. So you have to look in the context to see what it's meaning. So it can be good, morally good, because there's several passages that suggest that. But I think also there's some that allow it to be suitable or fitting. And that's how I think this one works out really well. And that one in Genesis. Yeah. That does make a lot more sense, I think, for this. Yeah, this I think passage. I think otherwise it threw, me, you were, it threw me a bit for a loop. Well, I've always end. thought I have a part of my job is to make sure people don't think Hezekiah is a jerk. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really was a good king, uh, yeah. and up to that point, the best one, you know, the only one that might be a little better is Josiah, and that he's mm. uh, 150 years later. Yeah. So I think it's probably better to understand it this way, and and it, then it makes sense. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So anyway, I thought you might like that one. That's a great word. Tov. <laughs> Here's the one in Genesis. And God oh, saw yeah. that it was good and, he, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that all that he had made. And behold, it was very good. So what it's saying is it, it was it's perfect for what I want it to do. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Do you remember where we are? We're at the end <laughs> yeah. of the palestrophe. Yeah. The very end. So of this one. Yeah, this one. Um, so remember, we've we've talked through the Oracles of the Nations, uh-huh. the little apocalypse. We've even talked about the center of it, which has judgment oracles, oracles followed yeah. by restoration, yeah. those nine of them. Mm-hmm. Last week, we talked about the final judgment and, and how it balances the little apocalypse because yeah. it's talking about that future time again. Yeah. Well, now we're talking about the Isaianic narratives are usually what they're called. And often because it's in during Isaiah's time, yeah. which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. The one thing that, why did I balance it to the oracles of the nation? I don't know if you remember, but there's that little oracle about the, to the Assyrians. And on that yes. one, it's a short, one of the shortest ones yeah. about it, but they're their biggest enemy at Hezekiah's or at yeah. Isaiah's time. Right. So why is it so short? Well, it has some crucial things to it. It says that the judgment has already been complete. Mm. So meaning they've already been judged. Yeah. And that's probably talking about 701 when God punished them. 
The other thing it says is that this is the same thing that's going to happen to all the other nations mm -hmm. that rebel against me. Yeah. So basically what it's doing is it's setting up. So if anybody wants to know what's going to happen if they rebel against God. Just look at Assyria. Exactly. And yeah. now on this one, you're going to see most of this Isaiah narrative is when God steps in and punishes the yeah. Assyrians and why he does it. Yeah. So I think that makes it balance pretty well. Yeah. So that's that's where we are, and that's that's what we're doing. Okay, does that and make we'll sense? And we'll also be bumping into a seam. Yeah, we, we want to talk about that through. a little more. I think I told you this last time, but I want to make sure you realize there's two places that have really large seams. Mm -hmm. You know, you a seam you expect to be a few verses at the end that tie right. it to the next one. Right. But I think that's what we've seen in yeah the in the past. Yeah. yeah, this one is like three chapters. That from thirty six to thirty nine, I think, is the whole scene. Okay, and the reason is is because there was he wanted to explain really well the judgment that God was going to pour mm -hmm. out on the wicked people, mm -hmm. and so it seems like it's highlighting that. The other really long one is at the very end of the book. So at the end of okay. section one, there's a huge one, and, and the then at the end of two. section two, there's a big one. Wow! So okay. I think they parallel that that that's way good. in each of them. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's look a couple things you need to know. This is Isaiah 36 or 37. And basically they came down the coastal highway there. They first go to Lakeish and, and punish or destroy it. Sennacherib in 701 came down this way and had destroyed most of Judah. I think it, Sennacherib himself says, I think it's like 68 cities he destroyed. So he had done a pretty thorough job of des destroying them. This story picks it up when he's at Lakish, and Lakish was one of their major uh, fortress cities. Mm. And it it probably took him a while to destroy it because yeah, it's it a huge it. site and it's yeah. got pretty thoroughly destroyed. Yeah. After that, he heads to Libna, which is not directly. You would have thought he would have headed right to Jerusalem, but he doesn't. Yeah. He goes to Libna next, and then after Libna, he comes up to Jerusalem. Okay. So basically, that's his plan. Now, uh, so Nacarib comes to fight Judah in 701 mm -hmm. BC, and he, they come, and they've got uh, really good pictures of destroying Lachish in his palace. So if you if you ever go to this is just an advertisement if you, if you ever go to a British museum mm. they have got the rock reliefs that show the destruction of, oh, of really? uh, Lakeish wow yeah so it's actually kind of neat yeah. so do you think he was actually he actually was there yeah um, this, it sounds wow. like he was because. In our story here, it has him come in, it keep, uh, yeah, yeah. he sends Reb Sheka off, yeah. then and they, he, comes he comes back. And they and, talk back. Yeah. yeah. So he, he obviously was at, it, it is funny that the king actually comes yeah, when they're destroying. On this conquest. Yeah. yeah. But apparently he was there. Wow. <laughs> the, the Babylonians and the Assyrians often, they would run posts up through people and then stick them out in front of the cities so that other nations would know. If you def if you fight yeah. against the Assyrians, this is what happens this to is, you. This is bad. Yeah. Now remember, Reb Sheka's whole job to do is, at this point when he comes to he uh, Hezekiah and the Jerusalem, yeah. his his job is to get them to surrender yeah. so that they don't have to fight. I mean, yeah. who in their right minds who wants to go to battle, possibly lose uh, some of your men when you could hopefully talk them into giving up. Well, this is one of the ways you could get them to give up is, yeah, is if people saw- Intimidation, yeah, essentially. on the way coming up, these people that have been staked out in front of the city who wow. rebels against the Assyrians, I could see why that would be real convincing. Yeah, that's very- uh, I don't want to do yeah, that. That's a compelling <laughs> argument. Yeah. So let's go to chapter 36. And in, in the first verse says, now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah. So that's actually going to help us know when this occurred, mm -hmm. that'll put it right at 701. Okay. Okay. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. Now, if you just stop there, that's pretty much just a summary. Isaiah is yeah. really good of giving one verse summaries. Yeah. Was, he did the same thing in chapter seven. Yeah. One verse tells you what's going to happen, and then he goes into we'll detail. It, yeah. Basically, this is this <laughs> is the situation. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so here he goes. Um, and the king of Assyria sent Rebshekah from Lachish to Jerusalem to Hezek King Hezekiah with a large army. So notice it's Rebshekah going and not the king of Assyria because yeah. he's he's still fighting Lachish at this point. Yeah. And this would be like an emissary or something yeah. like that. In fact, that, that name Reb Sheka, it probably means great leader or great chief mm, or something okay. like that. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a title. It's not really his name. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So he went from Lachish uh, to Jerusalem to King Hezekiah with a large army. So it's intimidation right off the bat. Right. Okay. And he stood at the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to meet him. Then Rebshakeh said to, to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What is this confidence that you have? I say, your counsel and your strength for war are only empty words. Now on whom do you rely in, that you have a rebelled against me? Now he's going to give pretty good arguments as to why they should give up. Mm-hmm. So he's going to, here's his first one is, verse six, behold, you rely on the staff of the crushed reed, even Assyria. I'm sorry. I'm Egypt. sorry. Even Egypt. Egypt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically he's saying, oh, so we, yeah, we know that you've, have this alliance with Egypt. Yeah. And if you're, you uh, are hoping that they will come and fight, guess yeah. what? We just wiped them out. Yeah, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so they had actually come up right before 701, got destroyed at Gaza. And then, uh, so, so when Reb Sheka comes, says, his, his basic logic is, well, don't worry about them. They're yeah. just a you weak. You have no friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're a weak thing. Now, at this point, we don't know the exact timing. So maybe he sent this emissary to Jerusalem before the battle in in Egypt mm. and, and that's or with Egypt and that probably makes some sense. So yeah. it's probably before that. But the Assyrians and the Egyptians almost always I've always said it this way. Every time Egypt goes out of their country to fight a battle, they seem to always <laughs> lose. So so maybe that's what they're thinking already. Yeah. Anyway, so so that's the first argument. Okay, now look at verse seven. seven. Yeah. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our, Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before the altar? <laughs> let, me, let me just explain that. See, in their minds, if, and we talked about this in chapter 10, when Assyrians thought they had a great God, they gave them all kinds of temples and, yeah. and made it look so, so that when people saw him, they knew what a great God he was. What's happening here is remember Hezekiah went through and had a reform and yeah, took yeah. down all the places of Baal. Yeah. And so all that, and he told them, don't worship on those high places, yeah. worship God only in Jerusalem. And yeah. so Reb Shekha doesn't get that. And so yeah. he's thinking, oh, all those places of worship have been destroyed. Yeah. When in actual fact, no, that's exactly what God wanted. Yeah. So he missed it, but this in is his, his logic. cultural misunderstanding. Yeah. 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 Okay. Third one, uh, verse eight. Now, therefore, come and make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to set riders on them. Now, that's mockery, right? I mean, yeah, he's doing that. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. He's kind of like, look, you just talked to us. We'll even give you the, yeah, yeah. the weapons. So, to make this a decent battle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's if not, you can find enough people to man it. Now, it's not quite like that. Because if you think about it, Calvary's are, it mm. takes quite a bit of training to be able to fight on a horse. Yeah, now, yeah. They probably mean, you know, these people can probably ride horses, so it's not right. that. But they're yeah. saying, I'll give you 2,000 horses if you can find people to ride on them. Yeah. Meaning trained ones that actually can do something on those yeah. horses. So it makes it a little more logical than when yeah. he says that. Yeah. Okay. How then can you repulse one official of the least of my master's servants and rely on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? And now, now here's the fourth reason. Uh, have I have I now come up without the Lord's approval against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. See, so he's making a claim that this is like providential, essentially. Yeah. Now, now let me give you some background of that. Before the kings ever went, especially Assyria, ever went to battle, they would go have their priests do omens and find out mm. from the gods if they should be doing this battle or not. Yeah. And obviously the priests said, oh yeah, this is, you have a very positive thing. Go, go and fight those uh, Israelites. So that when he says, don't I have it uh, from the Lord's approval? He's meaning the omens were positive. I'm supposed to go to this yeah. battle and you guys are going to lose. Yeah. So that's it. So it does make some sense that he can say, oh yeah, my God told me that I'm supposed to destroy This you. is not just pure mockery. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how I read it at first. It was kind of like... Yeah, but there is some logic as to what he's saying, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Although yeah. it's also mockery. That's probably there too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then, and then verse 13 is one more. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I want to do verse 11. Mm-hmm. And Eliakim and Shebna and Joab said to Reb Shekha, speak now to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it and do not speak to us in Judean in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. So so basically, here's Reb Shekha calling out 
in front of all the people of Israel, here, this great king Assyria is going to destroy you just like he destroyed all those people before. Well, that's going to be really discouraging to those people on the yeah. walls, right? Because yeah. they know the Assyrians are our major battle. You know, I mean, right. they're, they're a major enemy. Yeah. They're saying, don't speak to us in Hebrew. They called it Judean, but that's what the people would have spoken. Speak to us in Aramaic. And the reason is because the, the upper echelon, most of them knew Aramaic. The people on the wall wouldn't have known Aramaic. Right. But it's a way to keep people. them out of the loop. Exactly. Keep him from frightening now, now the remember, townspeople. That's exactly what Reb Shekha wants. He, does, yeah. he, doesn't want, he wants right. them to be scared to death so right. they'll give up. Yeah. So his response is, has yeah. my master sent me only to your master and to, and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall doomed to eat their own dung and drink their own urine? Man, imagine, here's yeah. the Assyrian guy, emissary telling you that. You're going to be scared to death. And yeah. remember, they're already terrified. Yeah. So to have a, a guy say this, he's good at his job, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. they pay these guys good money. Because yeah. to, to, imagine all the money you'd save if you didn't have to go to war. Yeah, right. So right. it makes perfect sense. They're going to get the best guy they can who's yeah. very convincing. And his arguments are really good. Yeah. And they had a way to work people into their culture, essentially, too, right? Like, sure. Like, you know, if you envelop this city, like... There were some things you're going to have to do, but now you're part of the Assyrian. Yeah. So there know. are some better. Well, in fact, uh, later on, look at look at verse 15. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will deliver us. I think at that point, he just blasphemed God. Because later on, God's going to say to Isaiah, that, that Assyrian has blasphemed me. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of them right here, yeah. mocking God that he couldn't really deliver him from right. the Assyrians. Right. Okay. Now, uh, look at verse 16. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and, and come out to me and eat each of his vine and each from his fig tree and drink each of the waters from his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine and a land of bread and vineyards. <laughs> Let me just stop there. That almost makes it sound like the Assyrian or Assyria is the fl land of milk and honey. Right. You know, so what he's trying to do is, is get them to, to give up so that yeah. they can, then they, they won't get killed yeah. and they can come they to a come very similar it's, to where yeah. they are anyway. Yeah. So why, why get killed and not have all well, this? And, and you'll have your own, exactly. your own vines and fig trees. <laughs> like you can feed yourself, you yeah. know? Yeah. So he's good. Yeah, he it's is enticing. Good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. And then he does it again. Look at verse 18. Beware that, that Hezekiah does not mislead you saying the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Ahamath or Arpad? Where are the gods of uh, Shaphani? And where are they that delivered Samaria from my hand? So he's basically going right through those that have already been wiped out. Yeah, what and, makes you special? Look at all the other cities. Yeah. And notice Samaria. Because he's, he's arguing Samaria's got the same God as you do, even yeah. though they'd wandered away from God. Yeah. Once again, he doesn't understand that. So he says, who among all those gods of these lands have delivered their land from my, from my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? So mm -hmm. there's another blasphemy, I think, to God. All right. Does that all make sense so far? Yeah, for sure. All right. So... Reb Shekha's taunt is in verses four through 15, and you heard it. I mean, it's, he's good. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah. he actually goes back. So he's at Lakish at this point. Then it says he goes back. Uh, let's see, verse um, 37, 8. Oh, yeah. Okay. So 37, 8 says, Reb Shekha returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna. Mm -hmm. So there's Libna now. So he's gone. He's actually backtracked a little. I assume he didn't want that. If that's a another um, fortress city, he doesn't want them behind him because oh, yeah, they don't yeah. want to get caught in the middle. Yeah. So it'd be smart to go ahead and wipe that out before they go to Jerusalem. Yeah. So I think that's what he's doing. Okay, so we've got the four reasons. Egypt can't help. Mm -hmm. God won't help you. Give up and things will be better for you. Like the, you're coming yeah. to a land just like yours. Yeah. And I have the Lord's approval. Those are pretty good reasons if you think about it. Yeah. Reb Shekha was really good. Yeah. All right. Now, okay, so we just talked about that. If they give up, they got this land. Okay, so in chapter oh, right. 37, right. one through six is where he, he now, uh, Hezekiah calls out to, well, first he calls to Isaiah yeah. and asks Isaiah to come and pray for him. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I'll start at verse one. King Hezekiah heard it. He tore his robes and covered himself with sackcloth and entered the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household with Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. 
And then look at the uh, verse four. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear the words of Reb Shekha, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the remnant is left. Now, that's kind of interesting too. So he's calling Isaiah to call on God mm. to hear what this Reb Shekha guy has said in, in yeah. Assyria behind him. But then he says, Maybe, notice he doesn't know, but maybe your God will deliver us. And then that last phrase, therefore offer a prayer for the remnant that is left. Remember, I told you that they had already destroyed, I think it's 48 cities right. earlier. That comes from the Assyrian annals telling yeah. us that. So when he says that, it must be that Jerusalem's about the only city left in Judah yeah. that still needs to be destroyed. Yeah, And so, so you can see why these guys are terrified. First of all, yeah. You've already seen what the, the Assyrians can do, yeah. right? You've seen them in other countries. You yeah. saw them in your own. Yeah. Then you have this guy coming and taunting you, telling Egypt can't help you. Not. And I'll even give you some horses if you guys can put people on it to fight us. Yeah. So he, he's been taunted. And then he's wondering, does God even care about us anymore? That's Hezekiah there. He's wondering, does God even care about us? Why yeah. would he let the Assyrians do this if he did care about yeah. us? So yeah. I can I can see a little discouragement in poor Hezekiah. And it's interesting because his appeal is like maybe God will just hear how Reb Sheka is talking about. Yes. It. Yeah, yeah. And and pay him back, yeah. kinda. Yeah, and there's Reb Sheka returns so in verse eight. Uh, it's interesting. He comes back and he says almost the same thing the second time. So it, it's yeah. not that he has any more arguments because yeah. the first ones were pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I think he added in new countries. Yeah, yeah, maybe. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's so it. Gives a little more detail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I didn't have enough time to list these others. <laughs> so then Hezekiah goes to God. We we saw that in verse one, but um, then verse... Now remember, first he goes into the temple, but then calls yeah. for Isaiah. Yeah. This time he says, then uh, verse 14, then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers. And that and would be the it. letter that'd be from Rabshakeh? Yes. That message from And, and remember, the, the letter would be from uh, Sennacherib probably. Yeah, right. Carried right. through Rabshakeh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now this one says letter, but then later it says he lays them out, uh, spreads out the letters. So, so the question is, how many letters did he have? My guess is he got one from the first time and yeah. one from the second time. So it's probably plural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Uh, verse 20 also says it. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from the hand of all, of all those kingdoms of earth that may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. So there's, I don't know if you remember Moses when he called on uh God to deliver the Israelites, he often would say something like, so that the people around will know that you are God and that, that you haven't abandoned them. Mm -hmm. So it's almost taking God's character. And, and this is another time when they call on God's character, not to let his people be destroyed or the people around are going to think that, that our God is nothing. Right. So here's another time that he, so, so that the people, those kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. So yeah. that, there's a, another thing where God is being called on to show his character and don't let these other nations mock you because we've been destroyed. Yeah. And so that, that's a pretty good argument usually. <laughs> Seems to work anyway. <laughs> God's response then is, is in verses 21 and tw through 24. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent word to Hezekiah saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word which the Lord has spoken against him. He has despised you and mocked you, O virgin daughter of Zion. She has shaken her head behind you, O daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you, uh, have you reproached and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and haughty eyes against the Holy One of Israel? So it's actually saying you haven't just mocked Israel, uh, Jerusalem. You've mocked me. And that's where God's going to step in and wipe them out. Yeah. And he does. Um, 30 through 38 is another good passage to help you see that. This shall be the sign for you that you shall eat this year what grows of itself. In the second year, what springs from the same. And in the third year, you will sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Let me just stop there and make sure you understand. So the first year they'd been in the midst of the battle. So there's no way they can actually get the, even if they planted it, they wouldn't be able to harvest it. Yeah. So that first year is a goner. The second year, they aren't going to be out there because the fight, the fighting is actually still happening. Mm. And then the third year, Assyria is going to be wiped out so they can actually they start can doing again. again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it says in the third year, but it's, it's because that battle is going to take place in one year. So they can't go out to, 
plant things. So even if they were, if they wanted to reap them, there's nothing they can reap because yeah. it's still not planted yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Then verse 31, the surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. So that's good news. They're going to be planted so that they can actually bear fruit. Mm -hmm. Okay. For out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant and out of Mount Zion survivors, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I don't know if you notice this. There's only three times that that phrase, the zeal of the Lord will perform, of hosts will perform this. Mm. And every time it's talking about the Assyrians being destroyed. Oh, really? Yeah. It happens here. It happens in the quote in second Kings where it's the same story. And then it also happens in um, Isaiah uh, nine, where at the end where he says the Assyrians are going to be wiped out and yeah. I'm going to set up this kingdom. He says it after that too. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So it's, it, it's to encourage them that God is going to yeah. keep his word. Yeah. Okay, I'm at verse 33. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he will not come to this city or, sh or shoot an arrow there. He will not come up before it with a shield or throw up a, a siege ramp against it. Now, let me just make sure you understand. They did come to Jerusalem and they did set up a wall on the outside, but what they didn't do, the siege ramp is, is goes up against the walls and then they bring what are called siege machines up the ramps to knock down the walls. Okay. He's saying they won't get that far. Mm. Okay. They, they, they're going to put a, a, a wall around it and we know that they did that, but they didn't get so far as to, to being able to put their siege ramps to destroy it. Hmm. Okay. So that's, he's making it real clear. Yeah, at what point this will happen. Yeah, with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the same way, he will return and he will not come. And I think mine says to this city, because we know he came to Jerusalem, but I think it should be, shouldn't he will not come into this city. Mm. The Hebrew word is, or uh, preposition is the same. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, I think to make an inaccurate translation, you would have to say he will not come into the city because yeah. he doesn't do that, even though he comes up to it. Yeah. Okay. All right declares the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Once again, notice he doesn't say for Hezekiah's sake. Mm. That's interesting because I would have thought Hezekiah sitting on the throne and he does it, but he never never claims he's doing it for the sitting king. It's always for what he, the promises he made to David. Yeah. And remember that makes sense. In second Samuel, yeah. it said that he's always gonna have a king to sit on the throne. Yeah. And so it does make sense that he does it for David because I made some promises to him that he didn't make to Hezekiah. Yeah. So that's probably what's going on. Okay, now the good part, okay? Then the angel of the Lord went and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the men arose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I read that one two or three times. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that amazing? That's, yeah. that's God's power. I mean, yeah. first of all, but, but imagine he even makes it sound like it was in one night, a hundred. Yeah. First of all, imagine how many 185,000 soldiers are. Yeah. That's, that's a huge, um, from other places we've talked about that they probably, uh, got bubonic plague or something like that. Mm -hmm. or at least it's possible. My understanding is bubonic plague within a couple days, people end up dying like about four or five. So maybe it wasn't quite overnight, yeah. but it was still very quick. That's before, a lot. Yeah. And before, yeah. before they could ever destroy the city, these yeah. guys are dead. Yeah. Now remember why that happened is because Sennacherib uh, through Reb Sheka challenged their God. Yeah. And God's not going to tolerate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So Sennacherib king of Assyria departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. It came about as they uh, worshiped in the, the house of his God, Nisroch, that Adramelech and Sherezer, his sons, killed him with the sword, and they escaped to the land of Ararat. And Esarhaddon, his son, became king in his place. Now, Esarhaddon becomes king in about 681. So it's going to be, if we're in 701, and yes. this happens in 681, so that's 20, 20 years, years later yeah. that he actually ends up dying. Yeah. But God foretold it, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty neat, I think. It's just so short. Yeah. I think that's what I, 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 when I first read through it, you know, for this, you know, prepare for this, I just like, I almost skipped over that. Yeah. I was moving so fast. The I best part. Back. I was like, wait, whatever happened there? And it, it, yeah. it's just so quick, you know, they describe yeah. it. It's very matter of fact, you yeah. know, and then it's, it's yeah. over. <laughs> but, but I think it's also neat. There, there's been real debate as to whether this is accurate or not, mm. because you read the Assyrian records and they don't mention this. They they emphasize the positive things. It talks about them taking money from 
uh, Hezekiah talks mm. about them taking lots of uh, captives. Mm. And it says that it has Hezekiah shut up in Jerusalem like a bird in the cage. That's the key phrase, like a bird in the cage. All those three things are true. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't from Jerusalem. They took they took money and stuff like that mm. because Hezekiah gave them the money, mm. right? Because because the first time he comes and they're uh, and, and instead of fighting them, Hezekiah says, "Here, I'll pay uh, off yeah. the money." But has then Sennacherib says uh, comes a second time, and and that's not good enough. My understanding yeah. is that he knows that Hezekiah that if he if he pays this money and and it says he pays a lot of money and that he had to take all the gold off the temple doors and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. So he pays him a lot of money, but he realizes that rascal will, will re, rebel against once once I head back home, he's just going to rebel again. Yeah. So I think he realizes I'm going to wipe him out and then there won't be this problem again. Yeah. Plus he called on the Egyptians to come against us. So I think he's yeah. a little ticked. Yeah. And, and he, he was a lot more flexible before he wiped out the Egyptians. Yeah. So my understanding is that the first time he came, probably they hadn't destroyed the Egyptians yeah. yet. And so they were probably afraid that they may not win. Yeah. So they better get, at least get as much money as they can. So that happened. But then when they beat them, my guess is they decided, why Why should I head home with yeah. just this money when I can take everything? Yeah. So I think that's what happened. Well, if you've destroyed Egypt or yeah. wiped them out, you yeah. know, armies, you know, yeah. go ahead and go after the allies too. I would know. think so. And then they won't rebel again. Yeah, right. Yeah. That worked horribly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Okay, does that make sense? So yeah. we, we've just got through the first section of Isianic uh -huh. narratives. The first part is uh, Hezekiah getting uh, having this battle with the Assyrians mm -hmm. and God stepping in and stopping them. Okay. Mm -hmm. The next major part is going to be in chapter eight, there's this, this Hezekiah gets healed. Yeah. Now, let me read just a little of it and you'll see it's got to be out of order. So look at this, in those days, so notice he's not saying, yeah. and after that battle, he's yeah. saying in about that same time period, Hezekiah became mortal, mortally ill. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos came to him and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die and not live. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, remember now, O Lord, I beseech you how I've walked before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. First of all, I just want to point out how many of us could actually say that? Yeah. You know, that that's, that means Hezekiah was a pretty good king yeah. and he hadn't done major things that, you know, yeah. I, I doubt all of us could be able to yeah. say that. Okay. Yeah. All right, then verse four, and the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of your father, David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. Yeah, now, so that needs to be before. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it, it, in my mind, it probably puts this, I, maybe in that same year that Hezekiah, or that Sennacherib comes, but but the next one talks about in chapter 39, emissaries coming from Babylon to Hezekiah. And and it says that it was during the time of Mer Merodach Baladan, mm -hmm. son of Baladan, yeah. king of Babylon. Well, the last time he was king was 703 to 702. Oh, so wow. so we know that that's got to be before. Yeah. And they're sending a message or a, um, a letter and a, and a gift because they heard he'd been delivered and he and he'd, uh, he'd lived from uh -huh. the from the sickness. Yeah. Well, then that means it's got to be earlier than that. So yeah. so this puts <laughs> so it puts his sickness first 30, 38. Then it puts these guys coming in thirty nine would be next, and then you have the Assyrians being defeated. Yeah. So so yeah. it's out of order, but it's out of order for a reason. I think I think it's building. Um, and remember when we get to thirty nine, there's a really good reason I think why. They want that right before mm. them coming back from Babylon. Yeah. Okay. So we'll talk about that when we're there. But okay. just so you know, 39s has to be before those yeah. two chapters we just got done with. Yeah. Okay. So he's going to add 15 years to his life. Now that's that's kind of interesting because in his in his song later, he says, in the middle of my life, I think that's probably general. Yeah, right. So I, my guess he's <laughs> yeah. not 30. Yeah, um, yeah. But it also is going to let you He thought he was know. dying too early. Yeah. 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 And, and God was really gracious. I mean, how many times yeah. have you said, I'm assuming that what God's doing is he's building faith in, a, in Hezekiah, mm. right? Mm. I mean, because he could have let him die. That could have been one way or, yeah. or why once he tells him he's going to die and then when um, Isaiah, he sends Isaiah back and says, tell him I'll give him more, 15 more years of life. Yeah. I think that's gotta be 
oh, this God really hears. Now, yeah. remember, you already know that later he had to come to God to talk to the Assyrians, to have yeah. them be destroyed. Yeah. So, so that was a faith builder kind of thing, mm. even before he, the Assyrians come. Yeah, I think yeah. what else is interesting, notice he says, I will defend this city from the Assyrians. Yeah. So he already, so Hezekiah, a couple years before it ever happens, is it, should be encouraged to know that God's going to dest, you know, yeah. destroy the Assyrians. He's already told them that. Yeah. So, so in, in the that, context of. Yeah, saving his life. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd think that'd help. Yeah. All right. Now, verse four, and the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, uh, go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of your father, David, I have heard your prayer and have seen your tears. Behold, I'll add 15 years to your life and I will deliver this city from the hand of the king of Assyria and I will defend this city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will cause a shadow on the stairway, which has gone down with the sun on the stairway of Ahaz to go back up 10 steps. So the sun shadow went back 10 steps on the, on the stairway on which it had gone down. What is that? Right? Yeah. My understanding, it's like a, a sundial. Oh, okay. And these steps of Ahaz, actually we know from Egypt, they had these kind of sundials where they were on the steps of like a, temple or something. Hmm. And so whatever this stair steps of Ahaz are, it must be like a, a sundial that has certain things. So it says that the sun has already gone so far that the sun has gone down certain steps yeah. and then he's going to turn it back 10 steps. Yeah. So that would be a pretty convincing sign, you know, that, yeah. <laughs> that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then the, the whole rest of that that chapter basically is gonna be Hezekiah's prayer. It's it's a prayer of thanksgiving to God for mm. delivering him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but we don't have to probably go into it because it it basically just is praising God for what we just heard happen. Yeah. The the problem is, is look at the last verse, verse 20, 21 and 22. Now, Isaiah said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to a boil that it, uh, he may recover. Have you ever heard of a poultice? When I was growing up, they would put bread and uh, put milk on it and for and heat it up. And for some reason, that has a drawing effect. My guess is what this is, a cake of figs must have that same kind of drawing effect. Hmm. And whatever the sickness was, that would draw out the poison and, and deliver him. Yeah. Okay. So that's at least so what is, I'm this assuming. This is a medical... Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. Not bad for, for back in the 800 right. BC yeah. Yeah, or yeah. 700 BC. All right. Then Hezekiah said, what is a sign that, that I should go up to the house of the Lord? If you remember, he'd already been given a sign yeah. that God was going to do this. So, so this makes it sound like, what's going on here? This has been one of my dilemmas for quite a while. If you read the second Kings passage, it, mm. it flows just perfectly. And there's, it looks like to me, there's two signs. Because notice what he's at. This, the first sign seems to be that God's going to do what he says, deliver Israel and heal yeah. him. The second one is, this sign is that he will go up to the house of the Lord. So it seems like it's a little more specific that he's going to be able to be alive and, and go up and pray in the house of the Lord. So, yeah. so it's very possible there's another sign that actually we don't know about that's actually mm -hmm. uh, he gives for this one. Mm -hmm. uh, so the King's passage doesn't have this prayer of Hezekiah in it. Mm -hmm. So it looks like what's happened is the story in Second Kings got split and then stuck this prayer in, and then it kind of finishes up with, well, what's the sign going to be? And, Interesting. And, and if you look at that passage, it looks like there is a sign that flows from that. So I'm wondering if there was two signs and there's a way to harmonize it. Okay. So I think that's what's going on. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So now we're back at, we've, we've gone through the Assyrians being destroyed. Yep. Okay. And why? We've got chapter eight, uh, 38, which is talking about Hezekiah being healed. Yeah. Now we're at chapter 39. Now remember, Chapter 39 has to be after. Chronologically. Yeah, has to be after he was healed. And then 38 yeah. has to be after that. So my guess is it's probably 38, then 39, and now yeah. 30, uh, 36 and 37. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Now I told you I was going to, I think I'm going to be able to tell you why it's in this order. So this letter is from Merodach Baldown, king of Babylon. And remember I told you his last date of being technically king. 702. Yeah, right. 702, it, it was 703 to 702, somewhere okay. in there. Yeah. And 
I got to read now Hezekiah's, I call it Hezekiah's mistake. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a sin. I shouldn't just call it a mistake, should I? <laughs> All right. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and recovered. So that helps us to know this has to be after he was sick and now he's yeah. better. Yeah. Okay. Hezekiah was pleased and showed him all the treasures of his treasure house, the silver and gold on the spices and precious oil and his whole armory and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house or in all his domain or dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then I, okay. So let me just stop there. Here's a King Judah gets these emissaries from, from a big Babylon is actually a pretty big country away. Yeah. So, so my guess is Hezekiah is trying to, yeah, uh, um, court them. Yeah, and, and, as protection and, from the Assyrians, maybe. Yeah, that. Plus, also, I'm sure he wants to have an alliance with them too, yeah. because if he can fight them on his side and the Babylonians fight him on that side, yeah. then they've got a battle going on two sides, and yeah. they can't have all their their armies yeah. in both places. Yeah. So my guess is he wants to curry favor with them at the very least, and so that's what he's doing. He's he's probably showing them what a good yeah. ally they would be. Right. Okay. Look how rich we are. Yeah. yeah. And now let me. I'll also tell you, this has got to be before the snack rib came and took all his money. Because yeah. remember I told you they took yeah. all the gold off. It says they took all the gold off the temple. Yeah. So there's very little they could show him after that. Yeah. Okay. So it can't be after them. All right. Verse, verse three. Verse three. Yeah. Uh, and Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, what, are these, what did these <laughs> men say? And from where did they come to you? Now, you know. Isaiah knows. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. why would he even mention it, yeah. right? And Hezekiah said, they have come from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. It, there's nothing among my treasures that I have not shown him. He, he's almost sounding proud and like like a giddy school kid almost, yeah. right? Yeah. I've right. done good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, look at verse five. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all this is, that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left. Now, uh, says the Lord. Now, remember, it's the Babylon. Now, their major enemy is Assyria. Yeah. So he's actually telling them what's going to happen 150 years in the future, yeah. not not what's happening now. Yeah. Okay? And some of your sons who issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Remember, that fits Daniel and his yeah. friends really well. Yeah. Okay? Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word which you have spoken is good, for he thought there will be peace and truth in my days. Now, remember, we already talked about that. Yeah. And that's, that's Hezekiah saying, Saying, oh, that's suitable because I was a godly king and at least they're not going to be destroyed in my time period. Yeah. So there is some logic of what he's saying. He still, he still blew it, right? It's wrong. Yeah. But at least he's saying, well, at least the people aren't going to think that when I was as good a king as I could be and then you destroy us, that mm -hmm. it's, it's because, you know, it's because God couldn't save us or anything like that. It's going to yeah. be it purposely God prophesied this. Yeah. And it's going to happen in 150 years later. That's a tricky, I, I got really hung up on that last yeah. verse. I was just sitting there thinking like, he's a jerk. I, well, I, I almost <laughs> thought like, he just doesn't understand what this is going to mean. Like, and it, and I, would, I would say, no, he understands it better than you think he does. Yeah. Because that's, I think the word means something slightly different yeah. than you think. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good interpretation. Well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have just made it to the end yeah. of- for what they often call first Isaiah. Yeah. Remember, I don't call it that, but yeah. a lot of people call it that. The I would say it's the first section of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Right after this, you're going to have a gap. Let's see. Oh, we didn't talk about the seam. Better oh. do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into that real quick. Okay. Remember, I've, I've argued there are seams at the end of each major section yeah. to help link it to the other one. Yeah. And they always have the same themes. Yes. Uh, restoration, uh -huh. a remnant is going to be saved, and the wicked are going to be punished. Right. And so you've got, and you might have it multiple times that says that, but like like in this one, chapter 39 definitely is talking about the wicked going to be punished again, yeah, sure. this time by the Babylonians. Yeah. But so it might have multiple times, but at least it's saying these three themes are in each one of these. Yeah. And it's the main argument for the whole book. I mean, yeah. all the way through the book, we've talked about that it had these ideas. Yeah. And that's an indicator for us that we're reaching the end of a section, yeah. but we're still connected into... Yes. 
the next section. Now, let's make sure we understand. So what it just did is it made this connection with, in the future, your children are going to be carried off into Babylon. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing you hear about the Babylonian captivity. When chapter 40 picks up, he's, he's bringing them back from the Babylonian captivity. Right. So, so I can see why liberal scholars, I shouldn't use that term, but liberal scholars will look at this and say, man, look at this. What good is it to hear about what God's going to do 150 years later when they when they're worried about what God's going to do for them right away like like you know deliver us from the Assyrians. Yeah. And my response to that is well God can tell us stuff that's going to happen in the future to maybe give us some hope or give us some mm. correction and you know I could see where the Assyrian or the Israelites could get really discouraged but now he's hearing oh don't worry one of these days even though you go into Babylonian captivity one of these days you're coming back and yeah. you're going to be delivered. Yeah. And so there's at least that hope that God still loves us, even though we go through this punishment. And remember, chapter one told them how much God had punished them, and they still didn't get it. Yeah. And, and remember, I, at that point, I don't know if you remember this, but I argued that chapter one is dated to about 701 because it talks about Jerusalem oh, I being that. left with as a city, uh, yeah, almost yeah, like yeah. a hill. It's the only one left. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think it knows what's going to happen here. And it actually is holding all that together and telling you, well, don't worry. One of these days, God's coming back and you guys are going to come back with him. And that, that question, will Israel ever obey? The answer is ultimately yes. But it's going to take a lot of time in between these times. Yeah. So, and, and God's going to have to do some amazing work to let that happen. Yeah, right, so. right. Well, does that make sense? Yeah. So we are at like halfway through the book now. And, yeah. and you can tell there's major. There's going to be a major change when we get to the next part. To the it's, next section. It is totally different. Not much judgment. Now he's going to be encouraging them that God mm. will deliver them. Yeah. And they need that. Yeah. So. And the... Uh, what are we getting into next? Uh, next, uh, next, next time we're together, yeah, yeah, uh, whatever that a day is, yeah. or week, whatever um, it is. We're gonna. Uh, I, the next section is is chapter forty through forty eight. Okay. And basically, what it's doing is is it doesn't talk anything about the Babylonian captivity. So remember, they go off. Uh, Daniel gets taken off in six oh five, and then there's another deportation in five ninety seven, and then the final one. Actually, technically, it's not the final one, but the major one is five eighty six. Mm-hmm. Um, in Jeremiah, we also learn that there's another one in 582, uh, but it's minor compared to the 586 one. Yeah. So technically, a lot of times it sounds like there's three deportations, but really there's there's actually four because okay. people are taken off in 701 to, or it's 681 also. Okay. Yeah. So there, there are actually four of them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're, we're, we're covering in this is... Yeah. The return from the final. From Babylon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that whole ne- uh, chapters 40 through 48 are basically covering that. Okay. Now, I don't think we need to go that far because I'll never get that far in one time because there's some brilliant uh, passages in between here. But I would say, why don't you get to about the center uh, of yeah. it? And so if you went to like chapter 45 yeah. um, and maybe through 45, you'll see for the first time Cyrus is mentioned. Oh, now remember, okay. yeah. remember this is 150 years in advance, and about oh probably about four times he talks about a deliverer from the east or yeah. uh, someone who's gonna I'm gonna have my hand on him and protect him, but it never says his name until you get to chapter 45 verse one. Then it actually says my servant Cyrus. Huh. So it, so it really makes it clear. Okay. I thought I thought at the end of part one, we should ask a few questions. Yeah, let's do okay. it. Yeah. So what have you learned? Oh, so much. <laughs> I think I think you actually kind of summarize it pretty well. Because the main question we're really looking at is, is Israel ever going to obey? And it seems like eventually the answer is yes, but there's a lot. That's a very long road yeah, to exactly. walk through. Very long. <laughs> okay. What's the main message of Isaiah? Uh, same thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> but there, there's going to be a, a punishment. Yeah. You yeah, saw yeah. that and, yes. and quite a bit of it. Yeah. Then there's going to be a restoration yeah. and a remnant, remnant. save that. Now, yeah. that's kind of interesting because the remnant language doesn't actually occur until Micah's the first one that has it. And most mm. people argue Micah's just a little before Isaiah. Okay. So if so, about 750 is the first time you hear about the remnant. Yeah. And Isaiah is, is making it pretty clear that he's yeah. not going to save everybody. He's going to just save a remnant. Yeah. 
And yeah. it's going to be a righteous remnant. We'll have to talk about that next time. Remind me, because when we get into chapter 40, it's really neat how, what he does. I'll try. I'll make a note. I'll uh, okay. A, a righteous remnant. All right. Yeah. And that's um, that's a great way to kind of approach the themes, because that's really what's in the seams as yeah, well. That's something exactly. that's very explicitly repeated multiple times yep. throughout the book. Okay. Is there hope for Israel? Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, that was easy, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think you also need to say... But it's not going to be immediate. Yeah. God's going to have we're, to work with them. And... We're pretty, really, at all. Yeah, 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 yeah right. It's okay. hard-earned. Okay, my last question is, can God do it? Yeah. Because that's that's the big question. Even, yeah. if, even if the Israelites saw that they were being taken into captivity, which they mm. just hear in chapter 39, can he really bring them back from Babylonian captivity? I mean, think about that. You are transferred 400 miles away from home, yeah. and it's going to take them... It's always called the 70 years, depending on how you count it. But 70 years of captivity is a long time. Yeah. So is God just going to leave them in Babylon or is he going to bring them back? And that's a big question. The answer is yes, he's going to bring them back. But I'm sure that's what the Israelites were wondering. I imagine so, yeah. And when we get into chapter 40, you'll see what they're wondering. Well, and I, it kind of seems like, I mean, really what we've looked at a lot in the first 39 chapters is Assyria, Assyria, yeah. Assyria. And then Babylon is yeah. like bigger and badder <laughs> kind of in every way. So I, that's, a, yeah. that's a question that makes a lot of sense, or, or it's a question that would have a, maybe a difficult answer. Yeah. Well, for the people then, you know? Yeah, and what God's going to do is going to do it in such an amazing way mm. that there's not going to be any doubt that it was God that did it, mm. right? To bring a pagan king 150 years after he'd prophesied it, to bring them back and can even tell them the name of the king Yeah, that's going to do it. That, yeah. in my mind, is just amazing. They have to. And, and so in the first part that, that we're going to be talking about later, he keeps saying, the idols can't do this. Idols are nothing. They're a piece yeah. of wood that from one piece of wood, you, you make an idol. The other piece, you, you make your bread out of. <laughs> right. yeah. An idol can't do this. Yeah. Only an all-powerful God could. So, so that's the building here. Here's, here's a, an amazing God that can deliver them in such an amazing way. There's no way they can think it's some, their idols. Something else. It's got to be a God. Yeah. So That's good. Yeah. That's really good. So that's good. what we have to look forward to. Well, I'm, I'm glad. That's a great thing to look forward to. We're going to read Isaiah 40 through 45, through the yep. end of 45. Yeah, I think that'd be good. That's good. And then, uh, yeah, I guess next time we're all together, we'll, we'll start the second major section of Isaiah. So yeah. read up and uh, make sure you join us next time as we continue to study Isaiah. Thank you. Thank you.